Welcome to Artists in Depth. I'm Alan Powell. This season, my co-host Bill Key and I decided to change things up a bit. We're still talking with people in the acting and arts world, and we're still exploring links with their creativity and their identity, but we're also opening the conversation to include topics that involve the well-being of artists in the process of creation and other related subjects. Artists in Depth provides an opportunity for the listener to reflect on their artistic expression and their well-being. Let's get started. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada. Embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives. Our guest today is Carlos Diaz. Carlos is an actor, voice actor, acting coach, dialect coach, director, writer, and father. He was born in Chile to Chilean parents and emigrated to Canada in 1974, a year after the military coup. He studied acting in New York City and upon his return to Toronto began to work in theatre, film and television, and animation. Carlos was a series regular on Canadian TV shows Rent-A-Goalie, Crash and Burn, and The Line. Eventually, an abundance of voice work took more and more of his attention with regular roles on animated series such as Atomic Puppet and more recently, Hero Elementary. His creative talents have also been recently engaged for a video game franchise. Our discussion with Carlos took on a very interesting journey, starting with the importance of being creatively fulfilled, through to revisiting a stage experience that shook his confidence, and ending with his creative outlets for anger. Carlos, thank you for joining us today. There's always been a, um, um, a warmth about you and that it seemed to be always, it was more about the people involved than it was about the work itself. Um, mm. How much importance do you put on the actual work versus the friendships that come out of the work? Oh, well, you know, I, I don't go in, you know, you go in looking to do the work and, and come out of it with the friendships. I think just as an actor in film and TV, it became uh, not creatively satisfying. You know, even, even, over the long run it was someone else was running the show you know and we um yeah i always felt like mm, there's got to be more here you know I, I don't know if that was just me that needed to become a, a director teacher uh writer um all things that i've tried uh and continue to do to some extent but they feel more creatively satisfying you know, I haven't, as of right now, I'm not really, I'm not doing on camera. I took myself off the on camera roster uh, for a little while so I could grow my hair out and get that Jesus look. Um, and because I was busy too, the last couple of years with, with Ubisoft doing that other thing. I think I've strayed from, from the initial question. Uh, well, no, um, you were talking about not being creatively satisfied. Um, yeah. Maybe you can talk more about uh, how your creativity has led you. Mm-hmm where you are now and what is it that is keeping that energy alive for the creativity no that's a that's a dig deep kind of one um i i don't know what's keeping it alive i mean it, it just sort of it's a self-perpetuating thing um the creativity uh that's what the, the answer to what's keeping it alive i might find it if i give me the 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 a of the question again what's the first part um, I was just following the thread of your creativity, like going where the energy is. Um, 
not being fulfilled and then finding fulfillment mm -hmm. has led you to different um oh yeah adventures yeah like I, I didn't want to be a coach i had it in my head that those who can do and those who can't teach and that's it's a load of crap that because uh, you can do both you can even do both and uh a lot of people do and i found uh teaching coaching helping people really ironically t teaching them things that i should be doing myself more and making sure that they do it i mean i don't know how many other teachers find that but uh then I go, oh, wow, that was, you know, that's a bit of bullshit because I, I, I don't do that. I'm saying do this but because I know it will help, you know, yeah. uh, later on they'll find their own way. But I found that gratifying. And then the, um, the dialect coaching was an accident, you know. It was uh, I auditioned for this video game with my the accent that I've been doing for 25 plus years, the, the Spanish accent that I learned from my mother who's been here for 45 years or more and still talks like this. And sorry, mom, I know you're, you're listening eventually somewhere. Uh, it's, a, it's, you know, it's been nothing but a help. At first I was like, oh, I'm pigeonholed. This is, uh, you know, what do you call that? Typecast and I'll never get out of it. But eventually I did. I had an agent who said, I, I, you know, you clearly can speak in a different way. We don't need to keep sending you out for only this. Let's broaden your horizons. And it opened up an entire world uh, where this became the backbone of the paycheck and then everything else was able to be uh, me being more creative. So wh where did that lead me? I auditioned to this for this video game six times, maybe seven. Uh, they cast me in one voice role and then finally somebody came back and said, can you teach that accent that you do? And I said, you know, it's funny people have asked me that two three times this year and i said no um i can give it a shot like wh what do you want well they just want a sample of you doing two different ones and so then what i proceeded to do they say be bold you know fortune favors the bold so i said i'll give it a shot but i didn't just say let me wing it i contacted dialect coaches i got books i did research i had already been working with a dialect coach to help me through the auditions um and, uh, and then I just quit, evolved, you know, my own way of doing it. And over the course of working with um, the other dialect coaches and all the other actors, uh, the, the interest grew because I've, I've always also had a, a facility for languages and a good ear for accents. And then I, I was able to reverse engineer some of the accents that I do and apply all of the knowledge, all the new knowledge and continue. I'm still, you know, I've still... Uh, I'm taking one of them's taking me on as is going to be my mentor, one of the dialect coaches, and um, another one. I just bug him for tips every once in a while. He's a professor of of voice at a university. So, so out of all this, the, is is it the paycheck that was keeping you going, or was there something else behind no. it? No, yeah, uh, no, no. It was never. <laughs> uh, that's not a very practical answer, but it wasn't. It wasn't ever about the the paycheck. It, it that was the bonus. I mean. They said, can you do this? And I said, sure. I didn't know uh, how much time would be required of me. Would it be beyond a week? You know, but looking back, had I only been an actor on this video game, I would have worked for five days as a dialect coach. I've, I'm still working. It's going to be three years. So it may, it was an enormous impact and a, and a, a good decision. And, you know, it wasn't, it was a calculated risk because I, I could backwards engineer what I was doing. I could um, learn, dive. I think it's a love of learning, really, that's kept me going. It's just like, this looks fascinating. I'm diving in with both feet. And I, I don't know. 
uh, I've considered whether this is a, a self diagnosis of adult ADHD or whether I've had it all my life because that is a characteristic of, of ADHD that just jump into new things completely. But I've, I've always been able to do that, jump into something completely obsessed with it. I have to learn how to do this. Okay, you want, I'm, I'm doing Kung Fu. That's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, learning a, a language. I'm learning this language. And it's and I, I make it into a an everyday, uh, twice a day kind of workout until it's more or less mastered. The idea that there's now a comfort level that you have mm -hmm. with this skill that people have come to you and asked you to do something that you're really good at doing. Yeah. Uh, and that brings a strong sense of um, value that you're giving to someone else. Who, that's what I that's what I was looking at the the idea of um, the creativity the, the the flow of it and where it where it's taken you and the mm -hmm. fulfillment of it and how you're feeling more are you feeling more fulfilled now or just as fulfilled when you were doing on camera or being creative back ten years ago say uh, no now now yeah it's actually fulfilling. The, the on-camera acting, I mean, when, when you're on a show, it's different. It's, it's also all-encompassing when you're in a TV series because you, you have early call times, late late end times, and, and then that's all you do. Um, again, that was more fun because of the people I was with. Had, had it been a different group of people who were, you know, if, it was, if the room was full of jerks and egos, then, you know, not so much fun. Um, but... And I think I think fun plays a big part of it. I enjoy what I'm doing now. But I, it made me think that that uh, in my 20s I was writing and making short films with all my friends, and I was the guy with the Super 8 camera and the the, the new Hi8 camera when it came out, and um, that was that was really satisfying to do that. Uh, fatherhood mm -hmm. and being is there is there creativity involved in that? Oh yeah. Yeah, you got to think your way through a lot of issues. Um, understanding another human being, getting over the stress of the initial stress of how do I keep them alive, basically. I, I wondered if there had been a, co a, a coincidence between the uh, birth and fatherhood of your daughter and your change in career. You know, your, you know, the the gradual move towards stepping out from in front of the camera and becoming more behind and it or more it didn't creative. influence it it didn't influence it actually she was born in between reshoots on murdoch mystery right there was one thing that shook my confidence and that was a, a play that i did um where i thought i was doing what what needed to be done what i had the the the, uh, the right thing a good performance and i could tell by the way people responded that it 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 wasn't i only had one friend and that's my buddy rob who, who says you were great and then one of uh, my students that came and, and uh um and just yeah that i didn't you know i know uh um one of the reviewers and he didn't mention me and he didn't say anything afterward even though i'd been the one to invite him and to facilitate his uh, uh seating and everything and so i thought yeah it must not have been as good as i thought you know Maybe there's something I'm missing, and what did I miss, and who who else missed it along the way? Like, where was the director lacking in the confidence to say to me, Carlos, you need to step this up or that up? Um, or was it there was a moment too that where um, one of the other actors said to me, 
you know, you're not really cutting loose in this anger scene. And I said, well, it's not about the Hulk, you know, it's about a father being angry at, at his estranged wife who has his, he's supposed to pick up his daughter and she's not there. This, this was the actual scene in the, in the, in the play. Uh, and so I played it angry. I said, but I didn't want to uh, self-indulge into like an explosion of, of rage as, a, as an actor who's like, oh, I'm just acting and I'm emoting and feeling all this nonsense. And she said, but I, I feel like you're holding back. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, there were times in my life when I was that angry and they scared me and I don't, I don't particularly like going there. Uh, and whether it would have made the performance more interesting, I don't know. Would, would it, or would it have been self-indulgent? That's that was my. It's something that I uh, don't like to see or experience. Don't don't like to see or experience myself if I'm going to see something like an actor. Just there's a difference between an actor giving you something, sharing something, and then uh, oh swimming in it give it get out of uh, sheer ego you know i i feel like i can see that and i can feel that and so to me it was whether rightly or wrongly something that prevented opening that tap let's say i yeah i really hear what you're saying about it's, it's you, what i'm hearing you saying is that for you there's a difference between going into a kind of internal cathartic experience which just but you know belongs to you personally mm -hmm. and sharing that with um and, and 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 creating something which you're sharing with the audience one of our greatest actresses um helen mccrory unfortunately died this week but she said mm -hmm. you know she 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 made a very clear statement about that you don't want to go to, to sit you know in the same room as someone you know it, and, and you're looking at them on the stage but you're watching them go through some kind of in-depth personal cathartic experience because that excludes you feel excluded from yeah that. yeah and it's then, not therapy yeah and i and I, as, as, I guess that's what you're saying yeah. you know you were not wanting to to go into a huge demonstration and but at the same time what you're saying is that you didn't really feel like you were you 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 you, you thought you were giving something in that performance but something yeah. indicated to you that that it wasn't quite what was expected and, mm -hmm. and, that, and that led to a um perhaps some ambivalence or or an uncertainty about about acting in that way yeah you do reach down you dig deep to find what you want to associate with the character what 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 you connect to in the character yeah but you don't necessarily become the self-indulgent you know vo piece of vomit on the stage for, or in front that's of the camera that's such a good way of putting it that's yeah. such a good way of putting it you don't want to just spill your stuff out onto no, the stage that's, that's not craft understanding that the anger or the rage scares you you don't want to do that and you especially don't want to do it on stage um, did it make you think or did it propel you to move towards some sort of healing about that or you just want to keep that rage away and not touch it? No, no way. Um, the, sorry, that was an automatic response. So that could have been a deflection. But yes and no, both. And I think uh, I was a very angry child. I was, I was really problematic for my parents. I was uh, a violent teenager, got into a lot of fights and spent many years trying to find discipline for myself. So I, uh, I then found uh, the martial arts. You know, I found it um, 
we didn't have a lot of that. You didn't have the access to it that, or that I knew of in those days when we were, you know, I was living in Scarborough. We, I was um, 11, 12, 13 years old. And as a young kid coming here, I couldn't speak English until I was five. And my mother reminded me that I was beat up a lot at school for not being able to speak English. Constantly came home crying every day after school. Um, and as I grew grew i i reached puberty before a lot of the other kids so i was a five foot seven 125 pound uh 12 year old which these days isn't much but in those days it was it was enough to fight off the 13 14 year olds and become sort of um for a little while a bully myself and then realizing that it didn't appeal to my personality so i became the guy who stuck up for the other kids i got my nose broken for sticking up for a wimpy 14 year old who was getting hit with a hockey stick by another kid his age and i was younger but so i just stepped in and told him to leave him alone and the guy punched me in the nose so i hit him in the ribs and you know it was a thing um but i i was able to uh was i went looking for the martial arts for karate for and there were guys in my high school later on that were all there were taekwondo black belts there were kung fu guys there were kickboxers there was all sorts it was an all-boys school which was even more uh lent itself more to that testosterone overflow ego thing and i quieted down for a while but i found uh, in those days i did karate and then i moved to new york for theater school uh, well sorry i'm jumping i'm jumping around here from four age 14 to age 20 but um and then met more martial artists who were like-minded and so i've always gone back to it as a sort of a um yeah, discipline, self-discipline, and and always sought those things out, and you know, many many years of therapy, either post bad breakup or you know traumatic life experience, and found that there's a lot of stuff. I have a lot of names for things that may or may not apply to me. Like, uh, uh, you know, there's a there's a kind of resentment for for having been the the immigrant family. Uh, there's that kind of buildup of resentment. Uh, we lived in a building with lots of families. My dad always said we had the, the there was a huge influx of, of Pakistani at the same time, or right, not all of it. There were still kids that would pick on us because we were different. Uh, or our, our apartment or our houses smelled different. The food is different, you know. Um, kids that made fun of my grandmother because she couldn't speak English and things like that, that always drove me into a, would send me into a fit. Um, yeah. But uh you know to the, the thing is you gotta you gotta deal with those things or the sins of the father get you know they get passed down um and so i spent a lot of time in therapy i've tried a lot of different medications that some of it didn't work um and then i saw an interview with david letterman on on one of his shows talking to i don't know who he was talking to this was more recent so it's the netflix letterman he was talking to uh the bipolar rap was more recent so it's the netflix letterman and he was talking to uh, he's, he's with uh, with one of the kardashians i think kanye oh kanye right yeah he's apparently terrifying to be around and, and he refuses to take medication um and so david letterman interviews him and he he joked openly about you know don't attack me but why why don't you think you should i just don't need it man you know my creativity and this and that and then Letterman said something, and it was pointed out to me by another friend. 
where he said, you know, I found this little pill because I was a guy. He said, it's just a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, an SSRI. He said, I was the guy who would get angry and put my fist through the wall. You know, and I'm like, oh, that was me, right? Like how many, I had to learn to drywall because at an early age, because I was ruining my dad's basement, you know, or my bedroom. And uh, I thought, well, I want to, it's just an SSRI. And, you know, it's going to make me a better person then why the hell not, you know? Uh, so I, I have been on one for a very long time and and it's it helped, it took the edge, whether it's a combination of things, I think age too, maturity and, and therapy and more martial arts and meditation and uh, finding creative outlets and, and also new perspectives, you know? Um, because I learned in, in relationships that, that uh, you know, if I flew off the handle, I was, I was yelling and people were scared when I was younger, in my 20s. And I remember yelling at a girlfriend in the street and I, was, I, I got so angry, I kicked a fire hydrant and people backed away from me in the street. It didn't hurt. Um, I hit it with the right part of the shoe or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, One of the things you said was about, you know, anger became something that was dangerous for you, and you did all lots of really hard work on channeling it or, or addressing it. Meditation, counsel, you know, therapy. Um, but you know, you you've known anger, and now you do cartoons. Do you know what I mean? It's that, that's kind of what what you know. You do cartoons. You do parenthood. You do voices. You know, and and it's a fascinating story, and and. Uh, that it came out of being in a place where you were you were placed in a, in a world where you were different and you and there were other people that were different but you were different mm -hmm. and um are you okay with 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 that now with with the anger with being able to say well yeah that's still that exists within me um it's there and i know is it dealt with i guess that's the question has it been dealt with um it's always being dealt with you know it's never going to go anywhere it's a part of who I was at the beginning, it's, it came from that. It, it had its place, you know, it has, it has its place. It can be used and uh, channeled in more creative ways. And also, I mean, I, I would be doing myself a disservice as a growing adult if I didn't, uh, if I weren't able to take that energy, energy and, and, and put it into something else or, or, or express it in a much more you know, productive way. Uh, the hole in the wall isn't going to do it. It takes more energy to run 42 kilometers than it does to sprint 100 meters, right? I, th I think. So, so in my mind, that, that's a, a parallel uh, to the, you know, the anger can be this explosive, this supernova, or it can be the slow burn, the trickle out of the of radiation up to the black hole. Wow. Yeah, I, I don't really, you know, that's the extent, by the way, of my astronomical knowledge. Um, and, and, and it's much more useful that way. Yeah. To get, get yeah, through no, an I... argument, to get through a conversation. And I, I was able to even verbally once, uh, verbally kung fu somebody in a, in a bank as a bank teller when I was 19 years old. And this guy came in and was yelling about his money and everything. Blah, blah, blah. And he was, and I was trying to talk to him, but he was, he had to get his, his thing out. And finally I just went, sir, sir, I want to help you. I'm trying to help you, but I need to go back and understand what, what happened. And I can't over, because you're, you're yelling it at me instead of explaining it. And he, he went, Shh, I'm sorry. 
So I was able to redirect and, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I practiced Aikido as a, as a kid. Okay. It's about, it's about non-resistance. Mm -hmm. So whatever is coming, you do not resist what's coming towards you. You roll with it and and, yeah. and overbalance your opponent because they're right. you use their force to overbalance them. And if you just if you just what do you want? You know, then the fist flies past you. And it's like, oh, hang on a minute. And, that, you know, yeah. Thank you, Carlos, for um, for joining us today. It was really insightful um, and honest. And thank you for that. Good. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Good chat. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Carlos. Great to meet you and, and really had a really interesting conversation. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing. Wonderful. Thanks, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alan. If you've been inspired or moved by what you've heard on today's podcast, I invite you to visit our website, artistsindepth.com. There you can sign up for podcast reminders, get in touch with us through email, or connect with other like-minded artists by sharing your thoughts on our blog and joining our community and finding out more about our initiatives. It's free and it's rewarding. Until next time. This episode of Artists in Depth is sponsored by Equity Showcase in Toronto, Canada. Embracing all artists by developing, uniting, advocating, and empowering the arts community. Visit equityshowcase.ca to discover all their initiatives.